welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who reluctantly knows his way around an Applebee's. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? I don't know what that means. I didn't expect Applebee's to be catching <laughs> strays right here. I uh, haven't been to an Applebee's in many years, for the record. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, sometimes there's only a handful of places that are open, you know, past like 9, 10 o'clock. And sometimes you're like, you're hungry, you gotta, you know, want to go sit down somewhere. It might not, might be your only option. That's that's what I mean by reluctant. I wouldn't say reluctantly if they sponsored this pod. I would go there every day. <laughs> Love Applebee's. Kieran Steckley but... loves Applebee's. You heard it here first. Uh, no, shout out to everyone listening. At the time you were listening to this, I will be on an airplane headed to Lakeland. Lakeland's the type of town, there's some good restaurants downtown like Harry's, but it's a it's a chain restaurant type of town. I actually don't know that, that there's an Applebee's, but end up going to some places like that when I'm in Lakeland. Uh, you got Hooters, you got like Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, Chili's. It's, it's the type of places you end up you end up eating when you spend uh, several weeks in Lakeland. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's literally Tiger Town, you know, so that's a nice little tidbit for people heading down there. Maybe next week when camp is a little bit more full, full fledged, we'll, we'll maybe give you have some have you give some tips on uh, coming down to Lakeland, Ooh, what to do, one. what to look for, and, and all that stuff. So we'll we'll give that a little bit of time. Uh, well, yeah, you so. You're on your way, like you said, by the time people listen to this. How you feeling? You feel you feel the full juice? You feel the full juice? No, starting to feel it. Um, it's it's hard not to, you know. It's here. It's spring training. Already thinking of questions I can ask and, and stories I can write and you know, things to follow all spring. So yeah, I think I'm I think I'm there. Yeah. Speaking of being there, I'm guessing a lot of guys are probably already in Lakeland or close to be in route even uh, even position players who get a couple more days grace period uh, it just kind of seems like that's the norm now in Major League Baseball there's not like a big come in the, the morning of for first workout like off the off the off the airplane so to speak it seems like that's just kind of the way uh, baseball is now especially with rehab and all that stuff so I, I you probably see a lot of people when you get there Monday right yeah, probably so. I mean, you have some guys like, you know, Jake Rogers and others who have been rehabbing injuries that have never left. You know, they've been posted up in Lakeland for a long time already, spent their whole offseason down there. I think it becomes a thing where it's like, you know, you find out your teammates going to Lakeland on Tuesday. In the back of your mind, you're probably like, oh, well, maybe I should be in Lakeland, you know. And, it yeah, it becomes a thing where um, – position players start filing in well before that report date sounds like some pitchers and catchers are already have already been down there for several days um so yeah there's not like this one big report date anymore that's kind of a thing of the past guys start trickling in pretty early and not everyone gets there on the same day um you know some of your bigger names your miguel cabrera's the world still still uh kind of show up like as late as possible, but otherwise, <laughs> they, they're going to be plenty of dudes down there getting their work in. It must be, it's probably kind of like, like your second fall semester of college, and then every semester after that, where it's like, hey man, when are you getting there? And then you're, you just kind of get antsy, you're tired of being at home, or you know, wherever you're at, and it's like, too, let, yeah. let, let, let's get down there, let's, let's have some fun before, uh, before the work starts. So yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time for everybody. 
But you mentioned you mentioned Jake Rogers there, and you wrote about him this week on the Athletic, sort of like questions around every position group, and you know what are the expectations for Jake Rogers? And to me, as I'm reading this, as I'm kind of looking at the roster, I I, I kind of caught myself. I was like, you know, are we assuming too much that he's going to be the number two out of camp? I it's starting to dawn on me. It's like maybe Donnie Sands is the guy. I mean, you've played it slow with Jake Rogers so far with his Tommy John rehab, and you know, obviously, I have no idea how far he is. I assume he's completely healthy. You know, but he's been out of the game, you know, for a year plus, and there's going to be an acclimation period associated with that. Donnie Sands has had no such interruption. He was acquired under the new regime. Uh, I have found myself having to look up Donnie Sands a little bit more, Cody. I, I found myself having to look him up a little bit more because I'm starting to think maybe there's a greater than 0% chance that, that he is your number two catcher to start the season. Any validity to that thought? I, I think you're right in that it's assuming a lot to just think, oh, Jay, you know, Jake Rogers, he's, he's the guy. He'll be on the major league roster right away. Um, you know, he's going to have to earn it. He's going to be a little bit of rusty. He's going to be a little bit rusty, excuse me, and his bat, you know, we forget how much that's always kind of been a question mark. Uh, Donnie Sands certainly is going to have a case. Uh, the Tigers brought in some veteran depth, guys like Andrew Knapp. Um, I, I think it's going to be a pretty open competition for that initial spot. Now the question is, not all these guys are on the 40-man roster, but I think the Tigers still have... Uh, plenty of expendable room on the 40-man, so I don't necessarily think that's a huge factor. Uh, I think for the Tigers' best-case scenario, you you want Jake Rogers catching in the big leagues for the majority of the year because you want him playing well. You want him to be this foundational piece is probably too strong, but you want him to be a piece of your ball club going forward. But you are right. I don't think that is a guarantee in any in any way, shape, or form. I'm actually interested to see how this competition shakes out in camp. Is there is the catcher position the one of the camp battles that you can't observe as much, especially when you're talking about the number two catcher? Like, is there more behind the scenes stuff with that than, for instance, fourth outfielder spot or you know starting third base or whatever? Because you know I imagine AJ is gonna want someone that has his confidence in the preparation aspect as much as anything, especially the number two guy. Um, particularly when you're backing up Eric Haas, who's more there for his bat. So, it, it, like, is that an added challenge for you? A guy who's going to be, you know, there watching every inning, you know, a lot of workouts and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it's behind the scenes, and a lot of it is is real intricacies of the catcher position that even someone like me isn't always great on on picking up. Uh, just while watching the game, you know, AJ looks at, at being a former catcher, so much detail into receiving, but uh, how guys are setting up, what kind of targets they give, you know, in, in addition to the preparation and the game calling. I think those are things AJ's sure to be looking long and hard at, especially from a guy he doesn't know, like a Donnie Sands, or a, a guy who's new, new to the organization, like an Andrew Knapp. Uh, because if those guys come in and they're doing those little things well, I think suddenly their case jumps up big time. Funny little background, Donnie Sands. I don't know uh, how many people realize this. I don't think it's been talked about. 
uh, drafted out of high school by the Yankees. Sign. He was going to go to New Mexico. That's where he was committed to play uh, college baseball. Signed 100K below slot value. Or not 100K below, but he signed below slot value. And, for 100K, excuse me. So he went cheap to, you know, as an eighth-round pick as opposed to going and being a scholarship player at the University of New Mexico. And he was actually a third baseman. And Ooh. was in the Yankee system. They asked him to be a catcher, and he said yes. So, you know, sometimes when you look at, like, okay, so he's 26 years old. He's obviously not young, but he's not old either. Jake Rogers is or is, or is about to be 28. But the journey these guys take is fascinating. So he's new to catcher, basically. I mean, he's been playing it for a couple years, but that pales in comparison to someone who had been doing it most of their lives, you know. So I found that pretty interesting, sort of uh, sort of like a little different version of the, of the Dingler conversation, another guy who wasn't a full-time catcher until uh, till much later. So maybe there's untapped potential there. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's the case with a lot of these guys, though. I think because if you're a major league, <clears throat> if you're playing in the major leagues, you were probably the best athlete, you know, on your your high school team or whatever. A lot of these guys, you know, Eric Haas played shortstop in third base. He had never caught until he got into pro ball. So in a weird way, Eric Haas is still someone new to new to catch. He's been doing catchers. that a long time now, but <laughs> you know, uh, Jake Rogers, who I, I played with growing up, he he caught for you know most of his life, especially in high school. So not not necessarily new to him, but I think there are a lot of guys like that in the big leagues who um did not catch you know and then you have the Bryce Harpers of the world who were catchers and then they were like no you're you're way too good of a hitter you know we can't have you tearing up your knees behind the plate right. and they get to pro ball and they get moved so uh it, it's interesting how that works actually at the major league level yeah I mean it's also like if you're you know going through the low eight ball stuff and you're maybe not even old enough to drink yet and you get asked this it's like what are you supposed to say no like <laughs> right, right I don't think it's an option a lot of the times it's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't need that. Uh, so, you know, good on him. And, you know, made it to the major leagues as a catcher. And we'll see if there's anything else in store for him. Another question mark that you brought up, Cody, was actually you wrote a lot of good stuff about the infield. But it really could have just been one big question mark. It didn't really need to have any of these words associated with it. Um there's questions with scope as great as he is because you know shift changes are not allowing shifts and then age and you know these kind of things torque we know bias is bias the whole thing at third base another guy that i'm sort of trying to figure out how much i should be in on him and i mean that like if i wanted to bet that he would make the team or have some kind of role is the is the Ryan Kreidler thing because I can't figure out because I I'm sort of lend, uh, lending my mind to the fact that he was never really healthy last year and yeah but that's part of it too because that was a little bit of his track record but a broken bone and you know is in your hand is obviously different I'm willing to give him a mulligan last year but he's a guy that I'm gonna be keen in on and then Andy Abanez like the, you have a really good BS meter, Cody, I think. And the line for Ibanez is, oh, this guy was the opening day starter for the Rangers last year, which is, you know, that was a team that had ambitions. They spent a bajillion dollars last offseason and did it again this offseason, so you can imagine those expectations are a lot higher. But 
There's stories about Adrian Beltre, like, kind of helping him out, showing the tools of the trade. He's another guy with an interesting story, a Cuban defector and all that stuff. So, like, if we're looking at guys that we're not talking about, that's just what I try to bring to this podcast is, you know, things, uh, topics they wouldn't just get, you know, on the headlines is like, is there something here with that? And Tyler Nevin kind of falls onto that category a little bit too. And we talked about Cesar Hernandez. I put my stake in that he's going to play. Like, I don't, um, I don't have any reason to come off that yet, but some of these names in there, I'm actually more interested in than I thought I would be as we get onto the eve of spring training. Yeah, I think the infield competition will be fun to watch and follow. I think there's a level of BS when, like, like one of these guys, like Nevin or Andy Abanez, is probably, they'll probably go on to have a pretty good camp. And I think there's going to be some BS about, like, I think they're probably going to start getting overhyped a little bit. Uh, so I think that, I think that's BS. Like, let's not get too excited. I don't know if any of these guys are real everyday players, but there's some potential. You can see why the Tigers like Abanez in 2021. He played a decent sample. He played in 76 games. He hit 277. He had a 321 one base percentage, seven homers, you know, nothing crazy, but, um, he was an adequate player. You know, a guy you can see how the Tigers could get some use out of that. He's a righty. He has good contact skills and he hits lefties really well. So he could make a lot of sense as a platoon type of option with McMaton. I think that's something, you know, uh, you can see AJ Hinch being interested in. And, and I think there's room for a guy like this to make the roster. Absolutely. Um, so is it BS? You know, it depends if we're talking about can Andy Abanez make the roster? No, I don't think that's BS. Now, if, if, Say Andy Ibanez hits 300 in camp, and then, you know, I, I don't know, you just start reading stories hyping up Andy Ibanez. Like that's <laughs> there is a level of BS there. Yeah, well, and I and I agree with you what you said about how I think AJ Hinch is going to have a lot of fun with uh, some of these guys, some of these options that he has. You know, writing in lineups and and seeing how they do in certain situations. And another guy in a, in a particular org, uh, situation in the organization is Akil Badu. And we've talked about him a little bit, but to me, there's a short list of guys that the fan base would really love to do well, like anybody above him. Like I don't think there's that many guys, probably just your marquee players like the Riley Greens and the Spencer Torgersons of the world. But, you know, you try to go back to 2021, how much fun it was when he was going off his start we started our podcast started with that spring train of him just you know going on a tear and and i think it's fair to say that we were slow yeah. to the train <laughs> and oh yeah to, oh, and yeah. and then you know it kind of cratered a little bit and then last year he was back and forth and you wrote in here that there's some like incremental things that he did my concern is like I don't want I like the worst case scenario for me with Badu is I don't want him to become the Reyes, the Castro, the the guys that we like because of you know certain traits or certain stories or whatever, and then we're just kind of holding our breath out for him. Uh, I hope that is not the case this year. But Badu's interesting. I think last week you said that if you could choose, it would Badu or Carpenter in terms of what would make the team construction a little bit more interesting to be Badu because of his style and I think 
given that I'm on record that I think this is going to be a more 21-style team, like manufacturing runs and all that stuff, this is Badu to a T. So I would love to see Akil Badu do be- do well, but I almost wanted to either do well or just completely suck because I don't want to do this thing with Akil. I have too many great memories of him in that early stretch or whatever when we're doing our podcast for the first time and all that <laughs> stuff. I don't want him to get into that uh, limbo area, if you would. Yeah, I would like to think the Tigers are not looking to get into limbo mode with, with players anymore. You know, I would like to think that they're kind of past that. The question, I guess, is do you have other options? As we talked about last week, Kerry Carpenter certainly could be another option. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Evan Woodbury of MLive did a roster projection a while back that included both Carpenter and Badu on the same roster. That's something I've kind of ruled out in my mind. It's not something I like because then you have Green, Meadows, Badu, Carpenter. Those are all left-handed bats. Um, that just seems tough to make work. I think Jason Beck did it too. I could be wrong. Really? So maybe I'm an idiot for just assuming you can't have them both on the, on the same roster. Uh, and and I think you got to give more weight. You know, rather than carrying five outfielders, I think you can feel good about four outfielders and think you need to carry these infielders because as we talked about you you know we don't know what the hell's going on in the infield um but look maybe it's not fair to assume that that they can't coexist on the same roster carpenter could play a lot at carpenter could almost be your dh if miguel cabrera is just not playing that much and then badu's more your platoon fourth outfielder uh so these are all possibilities i'll be interested once we get down to camp to to pick AJ's brain on this stuff a little bit more and see how things shake out. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Badu, there's a big camp for Badu. You know, there's a big year for Badu to show, are you a piece? Is there actually something in here? Because he was, I love Akil, but he was, he really struggled at times last year and his swing got way out of whack. So I will just be interested to see how he looks, how his swing looks, what type of spirits he shows up in. Because last year was really tough for him. Well, okay, so here's the thing, though, in terms of the DH spot and the Carpenter situation. If Miguel Cabrera is not DHing, who's DHing if you don't have Carpenter up? You do Meadows, and then you throw in Badu in the outfield? Um, yeah, I think some, some Meadows a lot, and then that's a good question. Like, how much... Is Miguel actually going to play? I think we got a mailbag question about that, and I don't know the exact answer to it. I'm guessing it's not a ton. Uh, So that does open the door, like, okay, Carpenter. But then it's like, Miguel Cabrera's on your roster, for better or worse. Can you really just, you're going to operate with a 25-man roster and just have Miguel hanging around and not playing? I don't think that's going to go well. I don't think that's going to be great for Miguel's spirits. Uh, so even if he's only playing once a series, you could still DH, you know, Meadows one game. Maybe even it's a little risky if you're only going to carry two catchers like DH Haas, but that, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we've seen AJ mix and match. He likes to get guys off their feet. Yeah. DH Baez every now and then, you know, to get him off his feet and throw Kreidler in there. These are all options. Another thing about two left-handers, look, the roster's going to change throughout the year. Uh, Tigers are going to open 
the series probably against uh, Shane McClanahan, a lefty in the Rays. So I think that that works against you, uh, like Badu and Carpenter both on the opening That's day. That's a good roster. point, and uh, we will see how it all shakes out. One of the I kind of came up with a couple mailbag questions myself, and one of them was: Is there like a Dustin Garno like? person in camp right now that's gonna make the team for like special reasons like the the tigers opened the season carrying three catchers dustin was out by the end of april and he played in i think like eight games or something like that but that was that was something that you got wind of through your sources and we talked about pretty early on in the camp process like you know there might be might be something too, like, you know, carrying three catchers for this particular reason. Um, and we all know how much turnover happens from the opening day roster, you know, throughout the the season. But is is there a is there a Gardo type thing happening on this team? Could it be Carpenter? You know, could could that be the case? I know he's a guy who has more promise than Dustin did at that time, but you know what I mean. Just kind of like an interesting roster construction element to be on the lookout for. Yeah, I think if anything somewhat surprising like that, it would be what we just talked about, Carpenter and Badu on the same roster. Um, you know, A.J. Hinch did make the comment, like I told Eric Haas, not to put away his left field glove, so maybe if he becomes enamored with one of these catchers you just mentioned, we could we could go down the three-catcher route again. I would hope not. I was never a big fan of the, uh, the Garneau thing last year, and looking back, it's easy to forget that even happened. Uh, I would I would call that one of AJ Hinch's biggest mistakes as Tigers manager was just thinking that that was gonna work. I think it ended up being kind of a disservice to Eric Koss, especially once they acquired Meadows. Haas just wasn't getting at bats, contributed to his slow start, and then it was kind of like you went all this through all this for what? You, then Garneau barely even played, and then he was off the roster, and now he's like a coach uh, in the Rockies system. So. <laughs> that was that was interesting um you know I, and there's so many question marks in the infield it's just hard to know i think another one we've talked about a little bit could matt veerling play more infield than we are just assuming that's a possibility uh one guy we don't talk a lot about andre lipschitz i've never been a huge andre lipschitz fan i've t- watched games with scouts who weren't enamored with him but all he's done in the the minors is post numbers and get on base, and it's like, what if what if he has a good camp? Could he push his way um, onto the roster? I think he might be a guy we're sleeping on a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying get your hopes up for Andre Lipschitz, but I'm just saying he's he's a name that hasn't gotten much traction, and maybe it's not fair to just assume he's not in the mix because there are certainly open spots on this infield. Should we look at that as like? Maybe a negative is too strong of a, of a word, but if if Veerling plays like a chunk at third base, uh, is that a sign that some things haven't gone right? You know, you know, uh, whether with with the, with the other guys uh, at the competition or I don't know, like that. There, there's part of me is afraid if he ends up playing a little bit more at third base. To be honest, because I don't know if that really is going to use his athletic uh, athleticism to its fullest potential. I agree with that. 
Um, another thing has been floated, like, oh, he could be a backup option at first base. And it's like, if you have a guy who ranks in the 97th percentile in sprint speed and you're playing him at first base, I'm going to be upset. But <laughs> you could argue, I don't know, maybe that means Matt Veerling's swinging it well and Carpenter and or Badu are swinging it well, and that's a way sure. to get them all in the same lineup, all on the same roster. Uh, there's a world in which it could be a good thing. I think it does probably indicate no one else won that that third base job, really. But um, there are a lot of different ways this roster could play out, and I suppose that is one scenario. Say if you really want Badu and Carpenter on the same roster, you want them playing, and you say, you know what, screw it. Yeah, we're going to be lefty-heavy in the outfield, but we believe in these guys. What's a way to get them in the lineup? Well, let's let's let Veerling play some third base. Um, I I think it is one of many options that could be on the table. I'm not saying it's the most likely option, but it's an option. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I was I was reading through the mailbag and you know the questions that were posted on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen at Kieran underscore Steckley, and. It was kind of funny. I really like – I don't believe this was intentional. It certainly wasn't intentional for me uh, suggesting the idea for the podcast and then you – I don't know about you doing it uh, written form for The Athletic. But it was kind of fun to do the survey and then the mailbag because you, you got you, you got some people to sort of put their name on what their tone would have been presumably hmm. for the survey, if that makes sense. So there's a, still a lot of like – you know, Illich, uh, you know, is he ever going to spend money and, you know, payroll stuff and, you know, you know, fans suffering through another rebuild. And then there's like, hey, isn't it possible that Baez has a good year because the World Baseball Classic is <laughs> is, is going on? You know, I, I thought I thought <laughs> I thought it was a lot of fun. But the one thing I, I did like a lot was uh, the question about Torkelson's leash. And because I just talked about. What do you do when Cabrera's not DHing and God forbid he gets hurt? It's not a lot of great options if Torque doesn't figure it out. So how long is his leash? To me, his leash is hella long because A, you don't really have a whole lot of other options. And B, I don't know. It's not me like doubting his like mental fortitude or whatever. But to go back-to-back years of slumping and having to go to Toledo, that might be hard to overcome if you're Torque and his track record and 1-1 pick and and all that stuff. So, to me, you got his leash has got to be as long as humanly possible because you don't re, you didn't really prepare yourself for any other scenario. Uh, is is that is that accurate to say? Yeah, I think I said this in, in the print form of the mailbag, but teams tend to tell you a lot more with their actions than they do their words. The fact that there is no real contingency plan tells me they're going to let Torkelson play and they're going to let Torkelson sink or swim and and you know pray to God he swims and becomes the player that, that they originally thought he was and that he certainly still could be. Um, and if he struggles and fails, I think they're going to give him a long leash to figure it out. I think sending him back to Toledo would be the real nuclear option. It would have to get pretty ugly. And look, if he gets almost a full year's worth of playing and it just ain't working, 
that gives the Tigers a lot of clarity going into 2024. Uh, it, it, it sure seems to me like that's what they're thinking. Like they are just going to let this guy prove it, give him all the time, all the at-bats he needs, and uh, and really hope that it clicks. And if it doesn't, um, you know, I think they want to know that for sure. I don't think they want to play the up-and-down game with Torkelson a lot. Will there be a more analyzed swing in Lakeland than Tork? <laughs> And it, it, it sucks. It's a little bit, I don't want to say it's unfair, but it adds to the pressure around him because everyone's going to be talking about it. We're going to be asking him about it. And it's that's just the reality of um, the business. You know, when I'm talking to him, I, you know, want to treat him with kindness and respect and treat him like a human being because he, he is. And, but at the end of the day, he's a, a number one draft pick. He's a big part of the franchise. He's really struggled last year. And uh, it'll be part, partially a test of Torkelson's mental fortitude, which for the most part really impressed me all last year, how he handled things. Um, but I knew I know it wore on him. And he's going to be under a microscope in spring from the media, from the fans. And from the coaches and the in the organization too, like this is this is big time for him. And there were some comments on the mail diag, like basically saying, "Hey, lay off to work. He's a young guy. Other young players have struggled in the past." And that is that is all true and worth remembering. Uh, but it doesn't change the reality that like he is going to have to show something, and because there are going to be a lot of people. Well, there's gonna he's gonna have more hitting coaches in his life right now than he's ever had, and that includes <laughs> the Twitter people, the fans watching, and you know all the media and all that stuff. Well, and literally the Tigers. And, and, the, it, exactly, <laughs> and that's probably something that uh, we're gonna have to figure out is how does he take to that brand of coaching. You know, like I no no reason yeah. to suspect that he you know wouldn't do it, but this is also it's a it's a new thing. So you have new voices coming in telling you, you know, how to perfect your craft and 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 as a major leaguer, he doesn't have a whole lot of ground to stand on to to be stubborn about anything. So I think that's another thing too for all these guys that are sort of hit or get off the pot uh, for the Tigers this year. I just came up with that. I think that was a pretty good uh pretty good pretty good pun uh (laughs) is like you you got these guys are going to be here these coaches so like this is an investment by the organization to go about things a certain way so there's a lot of guys are not going to be able to have a lot of pushback so you better take to this coaching otherwise it could get ugly torque obviously with his stats is going to have a little bit more of a leash but some of those fringe guys you know you, you best believe you probably should get them coffee every other morning or you know something like that all right, so I, I mentioned it briefly, and we'll get to how it affects the Tigers and really every other team here in a second, but uh, how do you feel? You like the World Baseball Classic? You like you think it's a nice little event, or you just kind of like, eh? No, I've always liked it. You know, it's a, a way to see some real baseball games a little early in the year, especially, you know, yeah. on, on TV. Um, I think it's good. I think it's good for the game. I think... Players tend to enjoy it, especially international players really take pride in, in going and playing for their country. Um, I think it's unfortunate the U.S. has never f- fared a little better than, than it has in the World Baseball Classic. But, you know, I, I enjoy Defending it. Defending champs, though. Defending champs, though. Oh, is that right? I don't even remember that. It's been... If, if, yeah, 
feels like it's been forever six years. since the last one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, Jim Leland led. Uh, that's team, right. Team that's USA. right. Okay. Well, I take that back then. I am dumb. U.S. Uh, <laughs> defending champs under none other than Jim Leland. You were correct. It'll be a little different. You know, this will be the first time I've been around the WBC environment as a writer to see what it's actually like, to see how it kind of interrupts camp for some of these players, to see how it is just interesting timing. I don't know that there's really a better time to do it. Right. Uh, But it'll be, I'll be viewing it from a little bit of a different perspective this year. Um, I won't be covering any of the games or anything, but uh, you know, I'm going to enjoy watching it. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. And the Tigers, Fairly well represented, I would say. They got a litany of uh, countries uh, yeah. that they're representing. So we uh, mentioned Andy Abanez. He's representing Cuba. Javi Baez, of course, Puerto Rico. See if he get another highlight like his uh, catching a guy stealing or whatever and pointing to uh, Molina. Miggy Venezuela. Erod Venezuela, of course. Jonathan Scope, the Netherlands. And a couple of guys uh, in the minors, actually. Uh, Chavez Fernander. Um, see if I'm pronouncing that correctly or incorrect. Fernandez. Representing Great Great Britain. Great Britain. Uh, he's in. He pitched last year in Double A. Jack O'Laughlin. Did I say that right? Yeah. Uh, Jack O'Laughlin representing Australia. So nice for him. He uh, was in West Michigan last year. Also a pitcher. And John Valente. Second baseman in Toledo, representing Italy. I will say this though, real quick. Really disappointed by Team USA's hat. I was, it's it's, it's higher, pretty weak. It's pretty weak. It's pretty it's pretty weak. It's basic. The Israel hat is awesome. Chinese hat is awesome. The Netherlands hat uh, is sick. I think the Netherlands is great. I even I even liked Canada's yeah. you know hat. Uh, I was disappointed also with Team Italy. I was hoping for a nice Italian hat. No, it's just an eye. Not not really anything special there. But Team USA, really disappointed in the hat selection there. So that's uh, that's just a general side note. But yeah, I mean, you, you talked about it in the mailbag. Uh, it, it, I guess it's a good opportunity for some of these other guys to get some more, you know, get some more innings, get some more workouts in, get some more instructions. I mean... If we're looking for positives, the positives is that guys like Baez and Cabrera and Erod are going to be competitively ready sooner than, no, like mentally competitively ready sooner than they otherwise would be. And someone like Baez, like that's that that's his kind of environment. And then you would like to see if it kind of carries over into the beginning of the season. So. Uh, is there any anything else that people should kind of re- realize how how it affects like the major league squad? Like they don't just uh, maybe I, did I just speak out of turn? Do they stop workouts? No way they stop workouts and stuff, right? What, During what the hiatus. Mean? I mean they. No, like the teams obviously continue continue on. Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it'll basically it'll just be like Javi and Miguel and Erod are are in big league camp there for a couple weeks. Um, which I don't think has any huge bearing on anything other than you got a lot of infielders who need to play. So suddenly you'll be able to experiment with some different guys at shortstop there for, for a little bit. You know, there's going to be a lot of talk. Does this make X player more motivated? And I, I think it's, um, that's 
kind of a lazy narrative, but I think it's real with Baez. Um, if anyone, I've heard that from a couple people close to Baez. I think he's just wired. Like, if I had to guess, Javi Baez probably doesn't love uh, March 13th in spring training, but I think he will love <laughs> playing on a big competitive stage in, in the World Baseball Classic, and he's the type of guy who who needs to be mentally stimulated in order to succeed. So this, this, you know, it's not like it helps him or transforms his gear or whatever, but I like, I think it has some bearing on Javi Baez. You know, like Mark Cuban always, you know, wants to go back to like just amateur, like college players or whatever playing in the Olympics uh, because of the risks and the amount of money that, you know, those guys make at the NBA level. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard a baseball owner like outspoken or antsy about, these guys you know performing and the injury risk like right before the season uh, is there anything that you can recall um i don't remember like reading that i mean i think naturally especially if you have like a pitcher going there would be reason mm-hmm. to be concerned I, I think teams have in the past like you know because that's a factor how many innings do you actually want these guys throwing in the wbc but I think it's pretty taboo to be, like come out and criticize the, the World Baseball Classic. It's something Major League Baseball worked really hard to help organize in the first place, mm-hmm. to help give the game more of an international stage. You help, uh, unlike basketball, you don't have major leaguers representing Team USA in, in you know the Olympics or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a way f- to have more of that dream team type thing. Um, I think baseball's worked really hard to establish and grow the World Baseball Classic. So I personally like it. I think uh, uh, if anyone doesn't like it, they they're probably kind of discouraged from voicing that opinion a little bit. That's fair, and I do agree. I do enjoy it a lot. Uh, it in terms of the sports calendar, it comes into like a perfect time because no one really cares about the NBA mm-hmm. um, at that particular time, especially post trade deadline. It's just kind of riding out the season until the playoffs and then you know march madness is march madness but even then i don't really feel like it gets going that much for a lot of people uh as much as like the name dictates until you get to like sweet 16 you know that kind of thing so it's a per it's timing's perfect in that sense uh let's move on to a couple late submissions some digital submissions for uh for some mailbag items this comes from loyal listener michael siffer and he says, <laughs> I love this actually. How many ifs would it take for the Tigers to be competitive? If, it is, these are his suggestions. If Erod returns the form, if Torque hits, if Boyd pitches 120 innings, if Kreidler and Maton hold down third base, et cetera, et cetera. What, how many ifs we got on this uh, team to be competitive? Now, again, it's just a competitive uh, bar. It's not wild card it's not anything above that be competitive so by definition i would say that's you know around 500 how many ifs do you think i like his suggestions there yeah there's there's i still think there's too many to count you got a lot of ifs i think if uh jake rogers is who you think he can be if akil badu like we've talked about if carrie carpenter like we've talked about if Austin Meadows is true to form. If Green becomes a, a, a real star, if Scope bounces back, uh, we barely talked about the pitching this offseason. I think everyone kind of has so much faith in, like, Chris Fetter, maybe, that it's just not a thing. But, you know, Kylie McDaniel, or I don't think it was Kylie, someone at ESPN ranked, like, the best pitching staffs, and the Tigers came in at, like, 20, 
sixth or something. And on paper, it's hard to get too fired up about the rotation. I think fans in general are like, well, you know, Erod's good. Like, Manning can take a step forward. Tigers are really banking on Boyd and Lorenzen. Uh, but it's like, even the bullpen, there's so many, the bullpen was great last year, but there's so many relievers are volatile by nature and there's a lot of if and a lot of unproven and you really gotta hope Eduardo can give you a full season of innings and you really gotta hope Matt Manning steps up like I think maybe we're we're taking the pitching for granted a little bit and so that's a huge if too. just go down I think all five guys penciled in in the rotation there's some level of if regarding them so I didn't disagree with anything you just said there, but I was literally thinking this morning because I was just kind of looking at some lineup ideas and then you just go over to the pitching one through five. And I was like, you know, I kind of, I feel better about it than I thought that I would. So like you said, Erod, Erod's Erod. I, I will just, I'm just going to bank on him having a really good year because of that contract opt-out. I mean, that's as big a motivation as any. Now, you know, he signed that before the lockout and post-lockout. Uh, contracts have only gone up, as they always do. So he's going to look to bank, as he should, as he should. And I'm bullish on Matt Manning, maybe to a fault, but I'm bullish on him. As much as I've talked about on this podcast of, like, you know, kind of get that next gear. And... We talked about how much we should be talking about Turnbull more. So, and Lorenzen's a nice little classic. Like, if Harris is Harris, if if Harris is the GM that we like believe him to be, or potentially could be what we were sold on with the hire, Michael Lorenzen is gonna be one of those like first inklings of, oh, okay. So, so yeah. Harris is able to kind of piece things together where. Uh, or other organizations are over uh, looking past. I went back and read your story, you know, post signing, and Lorenzen had this uh, had this quote about how Scott Harris was, I think the word was hounding, hounding uh, his, his agent trying to get him to Detroit. So I mean, that's again, that's conviction. I think one of the things that we can say firmly about Scott Harris is we can read where he's where his convictions lie. And I and and Lorenzen is one of those guys. And I know it's only a one year deal. He's, you know, back end starter. Like this guy is not solving the franchise or anything like that. But Lorenzen might be the uh, uh, small baseball move of small baseball moves in terms of guys that are going to be immediately major leaguers. Uh, that Scott Harris has done. So I f- feel rather optimistic. And part of it is also it couldn't be any worse than last year. And maybe also part of it is. Mize and Scooble not being a part of it right now, there's less anxiety because they're the young up-and-coming prospects, if that even makes sense. But I actually feel a little bit better about pitching than I thought I would. Just a quick bit of reporting. There's a mailbag question regarding the bullpen and if the Tigers might add. Um, wasn't entirely sure when I answered that. I've since gleaned. I, I, I think the Tigers are going to continue adding to the bullpen. I'm not sure they're going to be spending money on the bullpen. I think it will be more through minor league deals. I think Daniel Norris remains a possibility. Uh, probably some other guys out there who, I, I bet they have a couple relievers on minor league deals who will have a real shot to break uh, with, with the major league club. Did you think there was ever a possibility they were going to bring back Fulmer? We signed with the I Cubs. think it made sense. 
How much did he get from the Clippers? I don't know if that was ever put out there. I didn't see the number, yeah. So that that would be my question there. Um, I thought, I was surprised how little interest there was in Fulmer. Um, let, me, let me put it that way. I, and I think he would make a lot of sense for the Tigers, would have been a, another contender for the closer role. Um, obviously, that's not going to go happen. He's going to pitch for the Cubs. And good, good for Michael, one of my favorite guys to cover over the past few years. Speaking of Harris and and the moves that he's made, so we'll do another mailbag question, and then I have a little uh, fun game that we're going to do with that. So the ghost of Steve Bilko, love it, asks, what is the criteria to be a successful year one of the Scott Harris era? So that's not necessarily like team success per se. It's like Scott Harris's imprint on the team. Uh, for me, it means Henry Malloy is knocking down the door to get into the major leagues at some point this year, whether he gets called up or not, but he's knocking on the door. Uh, Lorenzen, like I said, Lorenzen looks like a nice uh, diamond in the rough, if you would. Uh, we talked about Eton, or excuse me, Maton and, and Beerling. Like, those guys, like, kind of show promise or whatever, and those things that we call small baseball moves actually turn out to be like medium-sized baseball moves, if that makes sense. So I I think you want his guys to live up to their billing in some fashion. That's kind of, and that's so relative. So I'm sorry I can't give a win-loss with that or, you know, a batting average or ERA or number of home runs or anything like that. It's a little, it's a lot subjective, but that's what I would deem successful is that you see like his imprint on the team and all those things that he said at the opening press conference kind of come into fruition a little bit. Oh, I think you're exactly right. And if some of those things do come to fruition, naturally the Tigers will be, you know, not a hundred lost team. You know, if they win games somewhere in the seventies, it's probably because some of these things have, have happened. Um, I think we can't fully judge Scott based on the win-loss record of 2023. I mean, maybe a little bit because it's, you know, he didn't add a ton ton to this roster. But the best way to gauge him is going to be, did the moves he did make, did they work or did they not? Did the players he invested in, these guys who were very much his his brand, these quote-unquote distressed assets that you're trying to get more out of, you know, does he hit on some of these guys? Because next offseason we're going to be talking about it. We'll do another round table at the athletic where we kind of rank all the Detroit GMs <laughs> and we'll actually have some stuff to compare. And so if I say, well, yeah, Scott, you know, the, the Gregory Soto trade ended up being a huge dub for Scott Harris. Uh, the, you know, he'll, he'll have a lot more goodwill with the fans and everything. If, if he hits on some of these moves and that'll be the biggest indicator for like, is this year successful for Harris overall for the Tigers? Like it's, I think every year that I've covered the team, it's been like, what does success look like? And I've, it's basically just been the word progress. Uh, so that's getting <laughs> kind of old, but like that is that is the truth. You got to show you're headed in the right direction this season. So I, I want to kind of put our stamp as a podcast, Cody, on a couple of things. One is we're going to come back to this all the time. It's what I'm deeming the Harris Principle. So the Harris principle, dominating the strike zone, that was like the big phrase that he you know, mentioned in the opening press conference, and we know what that means. That means pitchers who throw strikes and miss bats, and that means 
guys who get on base and and are smart hitters at the plate. So the Harris principle, that's something that we're unofficially trademarking for this podcast. Now, you, you want to put a number on some things. How about this year's good for Harris if the Tigers don't lead the league in chase rate? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Let's track the chase rate throughout the year. Uh, another thing that we're going to do throughout the season and, you know, hopefully much longer is kind of do a fun little power ranking of what I'm going to call Harris kind of guys or HKGs. The HKGs on the team. Harris kind of guys. So I got five names on here. They're names that we've talked about a decent amount. But I think we should have, going into spring training, a little bit of a HKG power rankings. Justin Henry Malloy, return for the Jimenez trade. Matt Vierling, Nick Maton, return for Soto. Matthew Boyd, who I still, I thought, the, should I qualify? No, no, no. Definitely qualifies. He was a free agent. He brought oh, him back. And he, he signed him two off seasons in yeah. a row with two different clubs. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely a Harris County guy. Yes, and Michael Lorenzen, who uh, who we, we had talked about. So I think, I think I'm going to go with Jay Hen number one. Even though he's not going to break, he's not going to be a major leaguer likely this year. But just his profile just, Scream Scott Harris the more I read about him and I and I'm so excited and to be honest I get a little a little peeved when he's not higher on prospect like lists or whatever. It's like give me more J Hen. J Hen move up the board. Like I am a J I'm all in on J Hen. And I haven't even seen him wear an old English D yet, but I'm all in. Uh Matt Vierling, I think qualifies as number two because he is gonna be in the major leagues. He was the main piece of like the first Big trade. Obviously, cra- trading your back-to-back All-Star is different than trading uh, Jimenez in terms of hierarchy. So, uh, trading Soto, that's the big piece. I put him to... I'm going to put Matthew Boyd three because, like you said, back-to-back off-seasons, the reasons of which we have not seen in terms of like what Scott really likes about him and what work that can be done with Matthew Boyd and what the results will be. So, I put him three. I'm going to go Lorenzen four. Because of the hounding uh, quote from Lorenzen. And then I'll put uh, Maton at five. Am I missing anybody? Do you like that order? You know, can we? Wh- wh- how should we lock it in? Because we're going to keep track of this. Yeah, I like it. You could even... I wouldn't be opposed to moving Boyd up. You know, we don't think of Boyd like that because he's been a Tiger before and we're so familiar with him. But Scott Harris obviously loves him some Matthew Boyd. And I would say you got to attack on uh, some of these relief pitchers at the at the end of it who could, if they end up breaking on the major league roster, rise up. You know, Edwin Usada, Trey Wingenzer, guys who really miss bats have had strikeout rates, you know, that have obviously attracted Scott Harris. And they'll have to earn their way on the roster. But uh, Scott clearly likes the profile of some of these pitchers he's, he's bringing into spring training. Are you good with Jay Hen number one? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I think he's number one. All right, we'll do a Boyd two. I I like Matthew Boyd at number two. Veerling, Maton, or Lorenzen for three. Uh, let's go Veerling three. I mean, that's that's probably his most shiny acquisition from the Soto trade. So I think you got to go Veerling three. I think you could go Lorenzen four, and then Maton. All right, I like yeah. that. All right, Jahan one. Matthew Boyd, two. Matt Veerling, three. 
Michael Lorenzen four and Nick Maton five and this we will be adding names to this constantly. We will be updating it constantly. This is the most important thing that will happen for the Tigers this year is the power rankings of the HKGs, the Harris kind of guys. So glad we got that uh, going. Was, well, okay, so speaking of Soto, we have talked about Alex Lane kind of coming into that closer role. And to me, I like that a lot. But I also think that A.J. Hinch is going to, like, ride this out as long as he can to not do anything remotely close to calling somebody a closer. And I think he's going to use – I don't have a number in mind, but I think Lang's going to be, like, an eighth inning guy a lot, if that makes sense, where it's yeah. like, get you to the ninth, and then we'll figure it out. Yeah. Sort of the, the bullpen concept of batting one of your better hitters number two instead of three. So I think I think that's gonna be like the Lang move, I, I believe. So his save numbers will probably suffer more than whatever people expect. Not that that matters, but you know it's it's something for the resume, and probably affects like who's gonna be the all star if he's kind of coming in and being the stopper in the eighth more so than the saver in the ninth. So you put out some other names like Cisnero and 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 Foley and, and those kind of guys, but is there is, is, are those names that should make me feel confident? Like, I like them, but they're not – as much as I was – I like – Yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. I like Jason Foley a lot. I don't really think he's a closer, uh, but I think he could be, you know, a great seventh-inning type of guy for you this year. I mean, his sinker was filthy last year. He made a lot of strides. So I think you can feel confident about Foley in your bullpen. Um, you know, Cisnero has good stuff. I He's been floated, you know, as probably the other uh, favorite to assume kind of the, the ninth inning closer role. And easy to forget how good he actually was once healthy last year. He had a 1.08 yeah. ERA in 25 innings. But he's he's 33. He's been a little up and down throughout his time as a Tiger. Uh, was injured a lot last year. I, I don't feel great about Jose Cisnero um, going into this camp. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong there, but that's that's how I feel. I think Bo Bursky could end up being a really good bullpen piece. I think Will Vest was good. Like, I feel okay with the bullpen, but Lang is the only guy that I that I really would feel good about going in, like in the ninth inning, probably. But I like what you said. That was some real. That was some real AJ Hinch level thinking. You know, to and he did that with Soto, especially early on, like just putting Lang in what he deems to be the highest leverage spot or the most important spot. And maybe that's not always, maybe it's often not the ninth inning. I definitely could see AJ thinking like that. And you hope you're in a good spot in the ninth and whoever pitches the ninth, you know, is, is just whoever, you know, makes the most sense based on that day's matchups. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like I would feel pretty okay with, and again, I know it, for, just to like kind of overly simplify it, but like laying eighth to get you to the ninth, and then depending on the matchups, maybe you get him like another, maybe one more batter or something like that. And you bring in Cisnero. Like I actually think that combination in that order, uh, I feel okay with that. I feel okay with that right now, yeah. and I'm glad you brought up Vest because that's another guy that I think pitched above his weight last year. 
and 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 to me is a nice arm and you know tyler alexander you know spot spot in the nice sometimes you know if you're depending on the situation i don't think you can rule that out have fun aj you know you're no longer beholden to to the soto part and you know all respect to soto but you're no longer beholden to this like very narrow like you're kind of tunneled into like one direction you know like a funnel you don't have to do that anymore uh, you know, have some fun. Throw some Tyler in there. You know, who? who yeah, let, let, let's let, let, let's let's be creative here. I think there's a there's some options that will be a lot of fun for him to do, and Fetter too to figure out the best matchups and this revanche pitching staff, uh, pitching coaching staff. I think there's uh, there's more options there than I think people realize. As much as we are tantalized by alex lang's uh stuff and the fact that he wears a turtleneck let's not forget that we can't go any alex lang conversation without bringing up the turtleneck love it uh but i think he could be a star in the bullpen but not in the classical closer sense so uh we also got a question about city connect jerseys we're supposed to get those this year is that correct in that weren't we scheduled i thought so but i haven't heard anything about it in a while so I, that was from I fletch on yes twitter no. by the way fletch on there twitter. were definitely times last year where i was told the tigers would be getting a, a city connect jersey but um i haven't been updated on that in a long time and you know the, those those are fun little marketing ploys by nike and major league baseball but they're great they're great i i look forward to whatever design they come up with uh for the tigers i think that'll be a lot of fun uh speaking of uniform stuff um we gotta criticize Team USA's hats. We gotta bring up the fact that once again, Major League Baseball is going with the sort of meshy hat on the back for spring training. I assume and uh, batting practice hats, I believe, as well. So uh, if you have no hair, you're gonna have literally you're literally gonna be a spothead because it's just gonna be white spots surrounding sunburn. Uh, so not not a fan of that. I thought I might get one of, one of the hats this year. Can't can't get one of those. Can't do it. Can't do it. Well, Kieran, do you want them to bring back the older old English D on the uniforms? Are you in that camp? A lot of people are. You know what? I actually was. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not. I I, I would. Yeah. I wouldn't like put my my stake in it. But I'm not opposed to it. I think. I think sometimes we forget that there are more, especially like someone my age. That there are some more variations. Um, I wouldn't mind bringing back now the clubhouse hat has like everything's cool in the '90s now, you know. So the clubhouse, the Pistons right. bring back the teal, and the Tigers got the the tiger coming out of the D, uh, and it looks better than it did in the '90s. I'll tell you that. But I wouldn't mind the uh, like the '40s, '50s like tiger with his mouth open. That's even used in a variation over the decades. I wouldn't mind some sort of uh, version of that on on some more hats. Tiger looks like it was on drugs. <laughs> it scares me a little bit. Uh, and you know, this is me not being from Detroit, not being a Tigers traditionalist. I think it was just stupid that you had a different old English D on the hat as opposed to the jersey. I don't really care which one you use. I think you just yeah. got to be consistent. Yeah. Uh, and but I do love the the you know, just the kind of script Detroit on like your road unis, whether it's from the eighties or even if you go back like the 68, 
gray road uniforms yeah. are really slick. I, I I wish they had a variation of that. Actually, I wouldn't mind a uh, I wouldn't mind like the the block D sometimes they use during Cobb's era. Just like occasionally, kind of mm-hmm. bring that back. You know, bring back the okay. bring back that. Just some sort of old timers thing. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that. So so yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of possibilities Folks at Village Sports and Entertainment. We are trying to help you sell some merchandise. Come on. We're always we're always uh, giving great ideas here on the podcast. Probably why they listen. Illich Merchant uh, Illich Company, friend of the podcast. Uh. <laughs> I went to a Detroit Red Wings game this past week. Uh, gave gave them a little bit of my money, and and I got a free koozie. Now my biggest complaint: you couldn't get like a souvenir stadium cup. I like to have uh, souvenir yeah. stadium cups from different places I've been to, and I, I drink out of them at home. Uh, they, they didn't have one at Little Caesars Arena. I was disappointed. And more importantly, Little Caesars Arena, Coke products. Ooh. I had, I had thought it wasn't attainable at Comerica Park because Little Caesars has like Coke products, but, or Pepsi products, but apparently this is doable. So Comerica, here's a great idea. Does anyone actually prefer Pepsi to Coke? Do any of our listeners... Like, I'm not talking about Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew is its own thing. Is there anyone who actually is like, I want a Pepsi? Yeah. I don't know any of those people. First of all, the Tigers... No offense if you are one. The Tigers show let, let us know, yeah. because I don't know any. The Tigers should always be a Coke team, because that's how Cobb became, like, the most financially rich, successful yes. athlete. That and GM stock. Most, there we go. Uh, financially we go. successful athlete um, of his era, and probably all time, if you go with uh, inflation, you know, all those fancy numbers that are too advanced for me. All right, uh, one, one question that got also brought up, Cody, is spring training, going into the season, you can pick two things to happen to this team that kind of propel them into the regular season that would make you feel good about the roster, make you feel uh, like the team's going in the right direction. I, myself, would love to see Torque figure it out, because I think there's just so much importance with him figuring out. And the second thing is I want to see Austin Meadows return to form. Mm-hmm. I think Austin Meadows, those two things happen. You're Nobody's circling a W when they see you on their schedule, in my opinion. It's like, we got, because I think Riley Green's just going to continue to ascend. Uh, I, I think Hobby's going to be Hobby, you know, the good and the bad. But if, if Meadows is all of a sudden a part of this team, you're like, oof. All right, we're in for a doozy, boys. We're in for a doozy. So that those are my two things. What, what kind of sticks out for you? Yeah, uh, it's it doesn't make it any different, but Torque has to be on there, not just for this year, but the next five years of this franchise. you, you got to have Torque show up and hit and be, be a top-notch player. That There's just no way around that. I think that's so important. And, uh, you know, on Twitter, someone mentioned Badu. That's a huge one. Meadows is a huge one. But I'm going to go, I think you got to go one with pitching. Uh, I'm going to go my guy Spencer Turnbull. Oh, see yes. him look like the pitcher he was where we left him. I think that is huge for your staff. I think he could be your best starter if that is the case. If I'd go Turnbull. I could also, you could also make a case for Matt Manning. Like, I think you need someone to really emerge as when that dude stepping on the mound you, you think the tigers are going to win that day yeah it's a good point and if you're looking at the future 
either one of those guys or especially both, you know, kind of putting their feet down on what kind of players they are. And then, you know, hopefully the Mize rehab goes well and the Scooble rehab goes well. And then you're having a pretty different, interesting conversation about your pitching staff for 2024, presuming, of course, Erod. Yeah ups out and you know gives you a lot more options and those kind of things all right so we got a couple minutes here cody uh one of the things if you're a avid like sports talk radio listener like myself or podcasts it doesn't apply to us because we're a baseball podcast so therefore throughout the summer we have all our content laid out for us but if you're just a general sports show there's a little bit of a lull period everyone kind of goes on vacation and and post NBA finals up until essentially NFL training camp starts and it's not the best radio because you're just kind of waiting for the next thing so they they get into some some topics that are evergreen topics but they're also very lazy so since this is our last podcast before things tangible are happening we have to we have to side we don't have to talk about a lot but we have to side on on these hot button issues all right, so number one is Pete Rose, or should he be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, so all time hits leader, of course. My father, one of his favorite shirts is a shirt that I bought him the last time I was in Cooperstown. Uh, put Rose in the Hall. He wears that. He, he wears that all the time. One of his favorite shirts. I agree. All time hits leader. He probably would be in had uh, Giamatti not passed away to be honest, if, if you read between the lines. This is this next topic is especially relevant considering the events of this week. MJ or LeBron? LeBron. I'm going with LeBron partially because he's my generation, so I want to stake my generation. Also, I just think overall he's a better player. A better player. More well-rounded player, more complete player. No offense against Jordan, but I think Le- LeBron's the best to ever do it. Better teammate. Didn't punch anybody. Uh... Best sports movie. You can go baseball specific if you want. My favorite is Major League. I'm not saying it's the best, but that's my favorite. Okay. Um, if we want to go baseball movies that I think are up there, League of Their Own, The Natural, uh, we talked about For the Love of the Game, but I, I like those other ones uh, a little bit more. Uh, the Natural will always probably be number one for me in terms of pure baseball movies. Hey, hey. That's right. I think natural has always been my favorite. Uh, I think Bull Durham really encapsulates yeah. like, the baseball experience, the best of any movie. Terrible movie? Uh, Cobb. Really Cobb's a terrible movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we don't, don't talk we about don't that. Acknowledge that movie yes. around these parts. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I think this question has a lot to do with like the crumbling of democracy. <laughs> I think it was a waste of time and mental energy. Uh, no, it's not a sandwich. It's a hot dog. All right, last one. Would you rather have Dan Marino's career, and the Super Bowl just happened by the time people are uh, listening to this, would you rather have Dan Marino's career or Trent Dilfer's career? (laughs) If I were Dan Marino, it would haunt me every day that I didn't win a Super Bowl, but you'd still get to say you're Dan Marino. Trent Dilfer, you know, he does well for himself on TV, but no no one's getting hyped about Trent Dilfer. I'll take I'd rather I'd rather be one. considered one of the best to ever do it than a punchline like worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah, love love to win obviously, but you know we're talking about one of the all time greats and and all that stuff. Plus it's the ultimate team game. It's a little unfair that he gets knocked as much as he does. All right, we got those out of the way. Now we could talk about real baseball from here on out. Cody, you are going to be in Florida by the time people listen to this. Very excited for our next 
for all the episodes here coming up because we got big things brewing. We got real baseball happening. It's going to be a great time. Safe travels, Cody, and can't wait to see what you report, what you write, and then to be able to talk about real baseball. It's going to be very exciting. Anything else before we get out of here? No, thanks everyone for listening, and we're about to embark on another journey of the 2023 season. Thanks for sticking with us. Hopefully, uh, it is it is not as taxing as last year was for all of us. Yes, I hope for an interesting season. I, hope, I don't think there's too much to ask for. I think it's going to be an interesting season. It's going to be interesting spring training. Can't wait to see how it all shakes out. So, for... Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley, reminding you, please follow on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, at Turn Corner Pod, subscribe on Apple and Spotify, five-star review. If it feels so inclined, subscribe to The Athletic so you can read all of Cody's amazing work. So I want to wish everybody a very happy spring training. Yeah.